you've waited a while, Drancer, but you know what this is? It's opening night for the Vancouver Canucks. There's hockey tonight. <laughs> there is hockey tonight, but boy, does it hit different, right? Like, on the one hand, hockey. On the other hand, uh, some tough news, as first reported by Matt Sakaris. Looks like there's some COVID concerns that might impact the Canucks' lineup. And look, this is complicated. Like, one thing I think about a lot is when I went to the bubble, I went prepared to cover things going sideways. And I'm grateful. Like, I'm so grateful. And I was grateful at the time, and I acknowledged it, and I talked about it with my wife, and talked about it with some of the other reporters. Like, I was so grateful as the experiment in the bubble worked that my focus actually got to be on hockey, right? Like, my focus was on the Canucks in the playoffs. And while it didn't feel normal in terms of the experience, it felt overwhelmingly normal in terms of the topic, the subject matter, the pure hockey focus that was able to, you know, rise to the top, even more so as the bubble experiment went on, because there were no positive tests, because the bubble held. For the Vancouver Canucks, with a couple of absences uh, unexplained until Matt Sakaris's report. Uh, apparently, there are COVID concerns surrounding Jordy Ben and JT Miller, and the club will be without them for, you know, uh, an uncertain length of time. But Sakaris suggests that it'll be a couple of weeks. So, some tough news to start out the Canucks' season, and and a reminder too uh, of what a grind and just what a unique challenge. Uh, competing, you know, putting on NHL hockey against the backdrop of the pandemic second wave uh, is going to be over the next several months. Now, Jordy Ben looked like he was going to start the year as an extra defenseman, but the minute an injury above him hits, then this becomes a a bigger story, uh, a veteran presence. And we already know that uh, it looks like Yolevi's going to start the season. And, you know, Chatfield's been around the NHL, but has never played in the NHL. And so Jordy Ben was that sort of veteran option of depth. But J.T. Miller, obviously, is, with all due respect to Jordy Ben, uh, you know, in terms of the hockey club's well-being on the ice and in the standings, this is a guy that led the team in scoring, was everything the Canucks could have asked for him in his first year after the trade from Tampa, and on top of that, was remarkably durable. He played every game available to him in the regular season and in the playoff bubble, and this is a story, and, and I've mentioned it before, and I think others have as well, that... When you look at a big picture, like a a big part of the Canucks story from last season was the availability of their top players on the regular. Like JT Miller and Bo JT Miller and Bo Horvat played every game available to them. Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson each missed one. Top four scorers missed two games combined for the Vancouver Canucks. And of their top seven scorers, Brock Besser was the only guy to miss more than one game. Like, just stop and think about that. In a contact sport where injuries are happening all over the place, the Vancouver Canucks had remarkably good fortune when it came to the health of their skaters. Jacob Markstrom got hurt late in the season. We know that. Chris Tanev got injured on that final game before COVID. Myers got hurt in the bubble. Uh, Edler missed a little time around Christmas. But when it came to their forward group and Quinn Hughes, you know their key guys were there night in, night out. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking at starting this season without their leading scorer from last year for possibly the first couple of weeks. Yikes. That kind of changes the conversation in a hurry. Yes, it does. And puts a ton of pressure on players like Jake Vertanen and 
Zach McEwen, uh, I mean, they're going to need a lot. Uh, this team doesn't have a ton of forward depth. And, uh, you know, they were extraordinarily lucky last season. Not that they're unlucky now, but, uh, I mean, they are. Like, But this isn't luck. This is this is what the season's going to look like. Like, this isn't the last such unexplained absences followed by, you know, a, a worst-case scenario type report that we're going to get here. So, um, yeah, I mean, just tough. Like, just, just a tough way to start the season sort of puts a damper on a lot of the excitement. But, you know, the games will go on. The Canucks have arrived, clearly, in Edmonton. They've posted photos of the players arriving in masks, but... Um, yeah, I mean, you just, just yikes. Like this is just a yikes and a huge loss for the hockey club. And I mean, just a reality check for, for fans and reporters covering the team too. Yeah. And we saw it at practice. Jake for slides in. I would assume that's the way it goes. We did our goal projections the other day. We're not going to redo them, but I mean, that does change that dynamic in a, in a big way. Uh, what an opportunity for Jake for you know, can he run with it? I know he's played with Elias Pettersson in the past. Uh, Brock Besser, after practice, sort of joked that those three had played together. And he referenced the game in Pittsburgh last year that ended up 8-6 for the Penguins. And as Brock was mentioning it, I don't know, Elias Pettersson was sort of snickering under his breath. Like there was an audible kind of, like I think just as, <laughs> as that Brock picked that game as the example of the three of them playing together. And, and look, he copped to the fact that defensively it wasn't all that good and it wasn't. But I just thought Elias's reaction, he didn't say much, but he said enough that uh, I got a kick out of that. But uh, yeah, as you said, <laughs> opportunity for... Opportunity for Vertanen and certainly an opportunity for Zach McEwen, who to this point looked like he might start the season as the extra guy. He certainly would have worked his way in to the lineup uh, as the season went along, depending on matchups and if the Canucks need a little toughness and, and size. But now it looks like he'll step in and, and get an opportunity to, to be in the opening night lineup as well. So we'll see what these guys can do with the opportunity. The other guy that is probably going to be in the opening night lineup, but we won't know. Uh, until they hit the ice is Travis Hamanick, but he is now in the fold officially. I mean, it's uh, been trending in this direction. We all expected this, uh, stepped on the ice, skating with Quinn Hughes the first couple of days, and it looks like he'll start the season there. There was some question about whether he would be available for game one just because he hasn't played in forever. Got to go back to last mm-hmm. February, but uh, they get that deal done at $1.25 million bucks. Yep. Yeah, and look, Hamanick... I mean, look how much depth is going to matter this season, right? Period. Depth is going to matter. Um, we're seeing it all over the place, and we're going to keep seeing it for months to come. Uh, Travis Hamanick at 1.25. Not only is he a good fit for playing with Hughes, but now you aren't going to be playing a guy with zero NHL experience uh, in the event that one of your top four guys gets hurt, right? Like, period. Like, it's so important. Hamannick is actually such a key addition just because of what he means for reducing this club's risk profile. Uh, this is a good deal. Like, this is a good deal, easy win, and I think he's going to be a really nice fit with Hamannick. I know the organization does too. Uh, will be fascinating to see how he performs. But for me, honestly, the biggest impact of this signing is what it's going to mean for, you know, the inevitable blue line injuries or blue line absences uh, the teams are going to encounter in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, this season. Well, it is opening day for the Vancouver Canucks, and we wanted to sort of launch a a game day special podcast, and that's why we're doing this, and we're going to 
have a chat with the two Johns, John Shorthouse and John Garrett, who will be calling games once again, as they have for, oh, I don't know, we'll find out uh, the official number, but it's over a decade now. I mean, these two guys, just when you think of Canucks hockey, and it's been a long time because they didn't work in the bubble. Uh, they didn't work playoff games. So it's been a long time since uh, John and John have really been heard anywhere. And, and I know you've wanted to get them on the podcast here for quite some time. So uh, we're going to catch up with them here momentarily. But, you know, this Miller news certainly changes things. Uh, we've talked about the fact that the Canucks are kind of right there in the mix with Edmonton and Calgary. And I'm sure Winnipeg wants to think it's in that discussion as well. In this Canadian division, four of seven are going to make the playoffs. And, you know, for the Canucks... like. I know that there is really no home ice advantage, Tom, because there's nobody in these buildings. It's not the bubble. They are going to play in different buildings, but the atmosphere will pretty much be the same. It won't exist because there won't be fans there. So it's not like there's a massive home ice advantage to all of this. But I do feel like the Canucks have to find a way to sort of hold serve here right out of the gate because you don't want to fall behind and be playing catch up. Like, you know, it's going to come down to these head-to-head matchups, obviously 10 against the Oilers, 10 against the Flames. We know the storylines uh, are ridiculously rich when they go into Calgary on the weekend, but you get McDavid and Drysaddle right out of the gate. Like, I don't know, the Miller situation is going to make it that much tougher, but I, they, to me, they got to find a way. they got to find a way to get something out of these four games in Alberta before they get a chance to play home games here in Vancouver. Yeah, the... <laughs> look, the way that this shapes out right like if you can really rack up a margin on you know three of the canadian teams right like if you take advantage of your season series against the senators take care of business against two more teams like you're going to be in a pretty good spot right (laughs) then you just have to split the others or you know you can lose one whatever but like if you can hold serve against a couple of teams in a major way over the course of your 10 or nine game set. Um, that's, that's everything. And, and Edmonton, I think is the real one that the Canucks should be eyeing here. I, I just think Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver makes sense to me as that like tier of teams, you know, all, look, all of them could push for two as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I, I size those teams up and think that's the dogfight for the fourth playoff spot in the North division. I'll be really fascinated to see it. Look, these are important games. Clearly, the Canucks are going to be shorthanded here. Um, you know, they, they certainly can't afford to go over Alberta as they did last season. Um, oh. You know, shorter shorter campaign, more more games to begin the season in Alberta. Need to get, I'd say, at least three points. Like, you need to get a win and a tie out of these four games at least. Um, you know, to to make sure you're not on the back foot for the next 10, right? Like you, you, you get, if, if you fall behind too early, if you go one and three, like it's, you're going to be playing catch up for a while just because of how short right. the season yeah. is and how impactful every game is. Well, yeah. I mean, look, this is a bit of a black cloud that hovers over them to start the season. It's unfortunate with this, this Miller news, but they got to play the game. So we'll give them a chance. We'll see what happens. Uh, the season gets underway. Uh, that much we know, and that's the beauty of you know covering this team. And I think the beauty from a fan's perspective as well is you know all these storylines to digest now that uh, the games are here. So uh, let's see what happens. Canucks and the Oilers uh, tonight, and again on Thursday night. And you're not going to hear John Shorthouse and John Garrett on opening night. They're not working this. It's a national broadcast. 
And they're the regional broadcasters for the Canucks. So they will get to work on Thursday. Uh, but we're going to put them to work here on the VanCast and uh, looking forward to this. It'll be some fun. Well, I hope this is comfort food for Canuck fans, Tom, because it's been a long time uh, since uh, anybody has seen the two Johns do their thing uh, in the broadcast booth. And of course, I'm talking about Shorty and Cheech, John Shorthouse and John Garrett. And uh, they will be back in the broadcast booth, although everything's different in this COVID world. So uh, we'll find out a little bit about uh, how it's going to affect them. But uh, Shorty, how how many years for you guys now uh, as a happily married couple? <laughs> hey, don't jump to conclusions. Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, John, I think I started with John in 2008. Is that right, Cheech? I think that's around right. Yeah, I started the job, uh, the job job in 1998. So this is my 23rd year. But I think Jim Houston moved out of the regional racket around 2008. So this will be our 13th year together, I believe. All right. Now, normally hockey season, you guys are inseparable in broadcast booth. But uh, we know the well-documented stories about uh, game day lunches and, and some of the fine dining along the way. Uh, what's it been like in COVID? Like, when was the last time the two of you were in the same room? Oh, we haven't been. We haven't been since uh, last March when all this went uh-huh. down. And uh, it's it's hard to, you know, you talk about being responsible and uh, during the COVID period. And I know it's the same for Shorty as uh, Christmas. We couldn't have the grandkids over. Uh, New Year's, you can't go out. Uh, all the Thanksgiving, uh, all the occasions that have passed and Halloween and uh, it's just a crazy time Uh, I know Shorty and Murph golf and but I'm not a big golfer so uh, we haven't seen each other it'll be so nice even at a distance to be uh, in close contact maybe Shorty and I uh, will stop on the way down to the rink and get subways and we can uh, get somebody (laughs) to run the subways back and forth I, I got to say, first of all, that is the first time I've heard you refer to me as one of your grandchildren. So thank you. Um, and I'm sorry I couldn't make it for Christmas. Uh, and the other thing I was thinking, because Jeff, you mentioned the luncheons and uh, our eating habits, and you know we don't we don't really uh, test the waters of creativity very much. It's it's Five Guys, it's Shake Shack, it's Johnny Rockets, it's Wendy's. Um, and I've got to say, in this COVID world, probably for the betterment of our health. I think that our burgers per 60 is going to drop. Oh, man. It's ridiculous. My second number is a seven in my weight. Come on. (laughs) You're wasting away, John. I know. I know. My wife's got salads, and it's just you have to have uh, eat the rainbow. What is that? So John is living on Skittles. <laughs> yes. yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I should be doing. <laughs> Gentlemen, you know, we've missed the banter. And it, it's amazing that it's only been 12 years because it does seem longer. <laughs> like, it's, it does seem like you guys have been a pair for longer. Uh, does it feel that way for the two of you? Well, we and short, yeah, sometimes. But Shorty and I have, uh, because... We've been doing the Canuck games, and and Shorty, as he said, goes back uh, twenty three years, uh, and he's so easy to get along with. And I was doing Canuck games and other games, so that we we had contact, but we weren't working together. So uh, it wasn't as close as uh, when we were actually doing games together. But we were still in the same circles, and uh, we'd go to the same places, and uh, after post game, we'd 
always end up, usually at the same tables. So uh, it's been longer than longer than that. <laughs> you know, and I do think it's uh, if I may get serious for the first time in in ten months. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's so important because I think one of you used the word marriage there. And, you know, we don't take it right to the finish line, but um, it is a lot like a marriage and you're around each other so much. And uh, if you're if you're doing things that grade on each other or if you don't have compatible personalities, it's not going to be a lot of fun. It will seem like it's been forever. And, and honestly, I was joking earlier. Uh, it, it feels like it's just gone by in the blink of an eye. Um, so hopefully we can rekindle some of this magic. It's going to be different. Jeff mentioned it. It's, uh, without traveling. I've never called a game off a monitor. I'm sure John has, and maybe even in color, but, um, uh, I've <laughs> tried it once. <laughs> I tried it once at the, uh, the, uh, who can forget heritage classic, um, mm -hmm. because we were so far away from the ice at BC place and they have that wonderful big screen there. I, I think it, at one point, if not even to this day, is it not like the second largest one in North America behind Dallas? Anyway, it's a great screen. And so I called the Canucks and the Senators off the big screen at BC Place because I was just too far away. So, that, But this is going to be different. Um, don't you think, Cheech, we're going to miss some stuff oh, behind yeah. the play? Uh, we're going to you know, not know if a guy's left the bench right away, uh, if somebody's being benched or injured. So um, hopefully it goes pretty well, but it's going to be different. Yeah, oh, it will. And you were doing radio at the time, weren't you, uh, using the screen? So it didn't matter. You, you could say whatever you want. That's right. People in their car don't know it. And, and this, we're really at the mercy of the cameraman. And uh, because we're doing road games uh, off the monitors, we don't know the cameraman. So you don't know how mm -hmm. good they really are and how the tight follow is going to be on the puck all the time or whether we'll have views and uh, now they're incorporating in the era of superstats this extra screen that's going to have. And Shorty was talking about uh, if somebody gets benched or if somebody's on the ice too long or uh, the speed they're skating at or the speed of the shot and all these kind of things. It's all, it's going to be new for us besides doing And I have done a, a game. I did a game uh, way back when, a playoff game. We just turned around and did it off a, a little monitor, and it was a nightmare. But... Uh, we'll have better equipment and uh, better facilities for sure, but I hope I'm not being a distracted driver with these this big fancy stat <laughs> screen sitting beside. Uh, Shorty, I uh, talked to Shirelli about arranging, so I get to watch it and uh, hopefully have a tutorial tomorrow night on the Wednesday game before uh, we start on Thursday. Well, that'll be good. I, I, um, um, I do know one thing, and what they're instructing the production crews to a degree. I mean, it is 2021 and you can't take television back to the fifties, but they are, you know, telling the crews, the directors and the producers to maybe be a little less creative with their camera cutting and with things they might've done, like missing a face off, for example. And I bring that up because I was watching a game last year. I think didn't the Sabres play some games in Scandinavia, maybe in Finland. Or Sweden, maybe, uh, maybe because yeah, to start uh, the season, yeah, they're they're sweet, they're players. Anyway, I was I was watching, and poor Rick Jenner was calling the game from Buffalo, and uh, they missed a face off, <laughs> and somebody scored like that. 
and nobody knew what had happened because they were they were on a crowd shot or a shot of the coach or something. And, you know, that's the sort of stuff you're going to have to avoid because it does happen. Sometimes there is a clean face-off win, a shot, and a goal. And so not missing face-offs, not cutting to a low-angle camera on a three-on-two, those types of things are going to help us out, and hopefully everybody's on the same page. Well, at least you won't hear as much bitching from video coaches. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you miss, there won't be any missed draws. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. Are you guys setting up, like, you have the same location, home and away? We have the... Um, Luxury, I guess you would call it, because of the pandemic, and there have not been a lot of positives come out of COVID-19, but um, we're going to do the opposite of the Jeffersons, and we're going to be moving on down uh, from the gondola to a 200-level suite, and so we can kind of sit behind the counter um, that faces the ice that's right behind the two rows of seats in one of those suites, and we can call the home games from there, just watching the ice from a pretty good vantage point. And then for the road games, we're just going to kind of retreat back into the suite. And they have a really long table, almost like a form of a picnic bench. Have plenty of room for social distancing for the two of us. And we're going to set up at that uh, long table and call the games off monitors. And hopefully it'll be a little warmer in there is my, my real hope. But uh, that that's, I hope, going to be a plus because uh, not that Rogers Arena has bad sight lines. It's the gondola here is one of the best in the league because you're really right over top of the action. But it will be nice to get down a little lower, I think, and maybe be able to hear the players chatter and all that. I think Cheech's ears perked up when you said picnic bench, so uh, he's now going to be packing, <laughs> yes. packing a well, lunch. Jeff, you, a know, <laughs> you know what it's like in Los Angeles, Jeff, with where the television oh. one is and the radio one. Yeah. It, it's very similar to that kind of location, and you can hear the shots, and especially with no people in the building, it, it's going to be, uh, we'll be able to hear the banter and uh, that will help. Now, it's funny because Thomas spent the summer in the bubble in Edmonton, but you guys didn't work those playoff games. We've all been to, you know, a thousand practices. We've seen these guys skate in empty buildings, but what about the idea of delivering a broadcast? When, and it'll be, I imagine it'd be a little weird doing the road games from Rogers Arena. You know, you're in an empty building where nothing's going on, but you're broadcasting a game where something is going on. I'll take this one first, Jordy, because uh, don't you think that uh, Montreal, Toronto, it's going to hurt them? Because <laughs> they always would, used to come out west, and especially now uh, when they'd only come out once a year, and uh, all the Leaf sweaters and the Hab sweaters, and it, it was almost like a home advantage for them when they swung through Western <laughs> Canada. And I think their record reflected that, and they're going to lose that. And so uh, I really think home ice advantage for that situation is not going to be near as much. And if the teams can just wrap their heads around, okay, the ice is the same. Here we go. We're in Calgary. Who cares? Uh, there's nobody in the stands. The refs don't get influenced by uh, the crowd noises and uh, pay attention a little closer when the crowd reacts or you don't have those late penalty calls. Uh, I really think that you could get your road record as good as your home record if you can just maintain in a 56-game schedule, just bear down and away you go. John mentioned the refs. Uh, just as an aside, it's going to be interesting because normally the league tries to uh, you know move refs around and not schedule them to the same team too often, um, that sort of thing. But, you know, with code, well, first of all, with the refs on this side of the border only doing games uh, in the seven Canadian cities, um, Add to that the fact they're trying to cut down on travel. There's going to be lots of 
situations where teams are playing two or three games in a row in the same city, you might see the same officials for back-to-back mm-hmm. games or three games in a row. And uh, you know how coaches can be and how they can get a burr in their saddle or a bee in their bonnet about some calls that were made. Uh, it's going to be an interesting litmus test, I think, to see how they deal with maybe seeing that same face again tonight that you were so mad at the night before. <laughs> Our listeners won't know this, but you turn up your rink effects, right? Which is you hear all the sounds yeah. and, and the noise from the rink so loudly. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm going to be curious because you've already been in the habit of incorporating audible dialogue in, in your broadcast. Do you think you'll have mm-hmm. more of it? Well, uh, I, I think probably. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I think they learned a lot in the bubble and I think they've learned a lot just from the other leagues and what they're doing. Um, you know, to avoid um, the words that you would normally censor from getting on the air. I know that I got great play for one last year, um, and it was just off the cuff. And but you can't do that too much, you know, because mm-hmm. now you're just drawing attention to it. And, and if it's going to be uh, significantly more uh, in volume in terms of like how many times it happens and in volume in terms of how clearly you can hear it. Um, it's probably not my place to be drawing attention to it all the time, but right. in, in, in terms of like just rink sounds, um, I use all sorts of things to try to get it right. Like uh, deflection goals, you know, uh, a lot of the time um, I'm tipped off, no pun intended to the fact that it's a deflection goal is I, I hear the click off the stick. Um, even if it's in a really loud building, because I run the ice effects pretty loud in my headset. Um, so I, well, I, I'm going to go down and do a test run tomorrow. Um, I don't know how much of the, the pumped-in crowd noise I'm going to be hearing. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be f- somewhat substantial, uh, just to, to have a nice mix with uh, the ice effects that I'm planning to also run pretty loudly, um, just so I can use to my advantage all, all the things uh, that I do, whether it's hearing a ref uh, kind of foreshadow what the penalty is he's going to call, whether it's, again, a deflection goal or a goalie who got a really big piece of that shot with the pad. You could hear the thump, but it still went in. Uh, posting in goals, all that sorts of stuff, uh, I'm hoping to still be able to rely on. Well, look at the PGA Tour, the mics on this weekend. <laughs> you just have to watch what you say. And I think the players are being told to you know, be more cognizant of uh, what they say and uh, to whom and how loudly. And uh, it's, uh, as you were saying, with nobody in the rink, it's not muffled very much. I've heard this podcast numerous times before, and it always startles me when, when Jeff drops an F-bomb because it just <laughs> seems so out of character. And so I've, I've um, it doesn't sound it. right. I gotta go, go for on. it. But I, I, go for I, it. No, no, I, no, I've told myself I'm not going to do it on this podcast because I don't ever want to get in the habit of, doing anything like that in front of a microphone. <laughs> Roger, I, I millions. Mean, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking rights. Um, <laughs> with uh, J- Sh- Garrett, I just want to ask you, I didn't want to say John there, just in case you guys had a moment yeah. of awkward silence figuring out who I meant. Uh, but Cheech, with, uh, for you, you know, I remember I used to count scoring chances and you'd be in this habit of, of just like pulling it out and you'd be like, you know, they've given up five and you'd almost always be right. Right. And, and your yeah. deflections eye too is, is something that I think, you know, you pride yourself on as you should. Right. Uh, yes. What are you worried you're going to lose in terms of that? 
uh, in terms of that awareness that you have calling it off a monitor? Well, that's the problem. Again, we get back to the coverage. And uh, if you don't see, if the camera is so tight that you can't see somebody coming into the play and all of a sudden they're just there. Mm. And that's uh, uh, the old goalie in me comes out and you see the goalie's reaction. If you can't see the goalie's reaction, if, if the shot is too wide and you see the point man shooting it and then all of a sudden the puck's in the net, uh, I most of the time rely on the goalie's reaction. And Okay, he, he reacts with mm. uh, his glove and his glove's high and then the puck goes halfway down the net and uh, you're thinking, okay, somebody got a piece of that on the way. The goalie's not going to be that far off. But if you don't have a wide enough shot, uh, then you can't see that. And uh, that's, as Shorty was saying in uh, Rogers Arena, the gondola position is we're almost over it. And you, uh, especially at center ice, you get the good angles on the point mm -hmm. men shooting. You can follow the puck all the way. And uh, it, it makes it a lot easier when you have the full vision. And you can't uh, you state enough how you can watch uh, as the play goes on, the reaction of the coaches, uh, the reaction of the teammates when somebody stays out too long or, or somebody misses a check. And uh, that's something that we're going to miss doing things off the monitor. All right. I'll put you both on the spot here. Uh, after all these years of traveling, you know, you, and look, I've been out the last three years, so I've sort of picked up a few of your, your tips and, and habits along the way. But uh, because you won't be traveling this year, just give me a, a city that you're going to miss, a press box or a broadcast location that you're going to miss, and a restaurant that you'll miss. Oh, man. Uh, okay, I'll start shorty. I still get goosebumps, and I did when I was playing in, in the old Chicago Stadium. And the Chicago Stadium was just, it, it was historic, and you dressed down in the basement, and you came up, and the place was just almost shaking, and then... The organ would start playing and the anthem would going. And still, even though they now the big United Center and it's uh, a different, so that atmosphere. And Shorty and I both, we take our headsets off and you don't get it over the television like you do when you're there live. And Jeff, do you know what it's like uh, yeah. when the, the gentleman starts singing the national anthem? I think he, he's not the greatest singer in the world, but boy, oh boy, he just belts it out and the crowd gets into it. And uh, I just love that uh, about the Chicago stadium. And uh, that's the rink that I'm going to miss traveling to uh, just for the anthems. You know, I, um, that's, I'll follow up on that one point and then I'll give you mine. Um, but um, you're right. Television does not do that anthem justice. And um, uh, when I worked in radio, um, particularly in the playoffs, you know, the, the Canucks had those three straight series against the Hawks. I used to implore and bag my operator, uh, the late, great Ed Murphy, and also uh, Bill, who, who did some of the games there, I would say, take off your headset, and now put it back on, and I want you to mix this anthem the way the people in here are hearing it. Because the people in here aren't hearing it, because it's being drowned out. And you, you, when you watch a game on TV, you hear Jim Cornelison clear as a bell. You hear every missed note, every, everything he does. But if you're in the rink, particularly in a playoff game, you barely hear him at all. And I think, it's, uh, I think it, it would behoove uh, uh, people to try to um, convey the actual atmosphere 
rather than, you know, try to have a nice mix of his microphone and the crowd and be able to hear him sing the anthem. But that's just an aside. I'm going to miss the Bell Center. Um, partly because Cheech is just in his element there. Um, <laughs> I think you must have done a, a <laughs> you must have done a ton of games, uh, the Habs through the years, John, and you love catching up with uh, the the French media. Uh, it's yes. not quite the same anymore with with no Red Fisher, and I haven't seen Dick Irvin there in years. But um, John has always greeted so warmly, and he always goes and gets his two chien show with mustard only, <laughs> maybe a little ketchup, right. and uh, and the, the atmosphere, particularly if they're on, on a weekend, but any day, the atmosphere there is great. I think one of my favorite memories in recent years, Cheech, and we never really talked about this one, but was the game we did there, uh, the Jean Beliveau night, and uh, Mrs. Beliveau being there, and the, the number fours behind each net, and just the atmosphere there. Uh, was just ridiculous, and I really felt honored to be able to be there and do that game with John. Yeah, it, it was, and it still is. It is one of the uh, best rinks to do a game in. Uh, the tradition and uh, the fans that go are are so knowledgeable and and so loyal to the Habs. And uh, I did uh, the forum of, like the Chicago Stadium. I got to play in it, and uh, the Bell Center. The ghosts did go over. They say, well, no wonder the Habs, they haven't won. Well, they did win in 93, and it wasn't in the forum. But uh, it's just, it, it is a, it was like Maple Leaf Gardens, the same kind of atmosphere. And mm-hmm. uh, the Toronto, we never get to do games in Toronto anymore, Shorty and I. <laughs> 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 it, it's just not the same. And uh, Jeff, getting back to your question about the restaurants, and I know Shorty will just laugh me out of the, this segment because uh, my favorite is Tom Reed's. We, we go to Minnesota. <laughs> my, my, good friend, uh, my good friend Tom Reed's restaurant is about three blocks from the rink. And you go there and uh, he, he'll cater to every game you want to watch. Uh, he'll make sure that it's up there. and He is always there. Uh, he's going through hard times with the COVID and uh, struggling. I talked to him the other day and uh, he had 33 employees before COVID. Now he's got three. Uh, he doesn't know how long he's going to be able to survive. And I, I just hope that he, he stays in business because I just love going to Tom Reed's. And remember that time, Shorty, you were with us when uh, he bought a package, some kind of TV package, just so we could watch the Great Cup. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he, didn't, he didn't get the channel. So he had to buy the package for the year. Uh, which I think was hundreds of dollars, but he did that. And the other thing I remember about that was we sat in the back room, which is full of Minnesota Fighting Saints paraphernalia and pictures of Cheech uh, with his long hair. Um, (laughs) And I remember uh, we all sat down. It was a big group of us. And um, Cheech ordered a pitcher of Coors Light, and somebody went to grab it and pour some into a glass, and Cheech slapped his hand and said, no, that's my pitcher. (laughs) um so i have to answer the restaurant question because i i I don't want to be rude to tom reed because i do enjoy our times at tom reed's but the reason i'm not always there with john is because i'm across the street from the hotel at my favorite restaurant that i'm going to miss which was the italian place in saint paul called pazzalunas but um 
this is partially to make me feel better because I am kind of angst-ridden about not traveling this year. Um, although probably not as angst-ridden as I'd be if I actually was traveling commercially and uh, worrying about my health. But I'm picking Pataluna partly because it's a great restaurant. I've had so many good times there, but also because it's closing. So there's no chance I'll ever be able to go there again. So it, it will, even if I this year hadn't happened the way it had, uh, Pataluna would be no more. So Tom or uh, Cheech, you'll probably yes. have me at Tom Reed's a little more often now. Let's hope so. Let's hope we're back. Come on. <laughs> now, I'm glad I got to have uh, a chance to have lunch with you guys at Tom Reed's, but the pitcher story is familiar because when I took Cheech or when Cheech took me down to the Minnesota donut stand, I'll never forget it. He holds out the bag of donuts and he's got two, of course, one for him and one to share. And I assume he just wants help carrying it. So I went to grab it and he, I had the exact same experience. Cheech pulling it away like, no, yeah, like, no I'm no. offering you one. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, I love those mini donuts. You can smell them through the whole rink. <laughs> Shorty, I know when I when I saw you at practice uh, the other day and you had agreed to come on the pod and you said, uh, well, as long as we're not talking about hockey. Uh, and so we've done a pretty good job. I mean, we've talked around hockey, but just as we finish up here, uh, just I want a thought from both of you guys. I mean, it was an eventful offseason for the Canucks, obviously. A bunch of guys walk out the door. They're now in Calgary. The Canucks will see them here pretty quickly early in the season. Uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, where they fit in this all-Canadian division. Just a, a general outlook. What do you think of this group as they start into this uh, truncated season? Well, you know, I'll start if that's okay. And um, I've got to say with uh, a couple practices and three scrimmages under my belt, um, I feel a lot better. Um, I think it was easy to get, you know, kind of sucked into feeling kind of down about things in the off season uh, because it did seem like there was just this parade of bodies walking out the door, you know, with Markstrom and Tanev and Toffoli, um, Stetcher. Um, and yes, you know, they were replaced. And I think Nate Schmidt was a, a wonderful addition and, you know, they did well to take advantage of the, the situation that Vegas had put itself in. Uh, I think Braden Holtby is a is a proven uh, goalie, and and um, you know I, I think that was a, a very adequate way to go about bolstering that position. But then you know you get to the rink, and you start to just see some of the younger players, and whether or not this bodes well completely for this season or just kind of the overall future, you realize that maybe you weren't seeing the forest for the trees. You know you you see Quinn Hughes, uh, you know, with a year under his belt. Uh, you see the lotto line, uh, and let's hope JT Miller's just fine. Uh, you see the lotto line looking absolutely ready to dominate. Um, you see Jack Rathbone and the way he can skate. You see Niels Hoaglander and how he looks ready to play all, you know, right now. Um, and I've got to say that having been to the rink on a handful of occasions, having watched three scrimmages, two of them in person and one of them online. Um, I feel a lot better than I did for parts of the off season when, like you guys said, it, it felt like a kind of a mass exodus without a lot coming back. But um, time will tell. We'll see. It, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. But uh, I feel pretty, I feel pretty good. Not as good as I did in September of 2010. I showed this to Tom the other day. Uh, I found that, 
ticket stub. The only time I've ever bet on the Canucks, ever in my life. I dropped uh, $150 on them in September of 2010 to win the cup down in Vegas and uh, would have cashed out 1050 and uh, came pretty close. So I, I was kind of upset finding that ticket stub the other day. Anyway, John, I'm rambling. <laughs> yes, that's right. But I agree with you. And, and you look at uh, the goaltending situation and Thatcher Demko, it's his time. He looked very so good in the bubble and, uh, Braden Holtby comes in, and people forget that uh, Braden Holtby played 48 games last year. He was the number one guy in Washington till towards the end of the season. Uh, he was 11 games over 500. So, and I really think that uh, teams are going to have to use both goalies more this year. I think it's you're going to have to look at a 33-23 split, whereas before in the 82 game season it was. 60 games for your number one guy and 20 for your backup. It's going to be a lot closer to 50-50 this year. And uh, Nate Schmidt and now Travis Hamnick and uh, guys that play the right side and right-hand shot, Travis Hamnick and uh, the younger players with another year's experience. Quinn Hughes played, uh, what, 68 of the 69 games that the Canucks played last year and over 21 minutes a game and uh, Brock Besser was in the top three rookies his rookie year. Elias Patterson won the rookie of the year his year. And last year, I thought, Quinn, you should have won. So uh, they're young guys, a year more experience. And I really think that the uh, outlook is, and the, the Canadian division, North division, Scotia division, whatever you want to call it, uh, every team has a chance other than, I would say, Ottawa in you look around, I think it's really going to be competitive. But, uh, I'm hoping the Canucks are in the top two. Well, look, I said at the outset that I hope this was going to be comfort food for our listeners. Hell, it's it's turned into comfort food for us, I think. Uh, it's just it's so good to hear the two of you guys back together. Uh, you are the soundtrack of hockey for so many uh, in Canuck Nation. So I think people will be excited to see you guys get back at it. Uh, game number two of the season. You've got the Thursday night game, the Canucks and the Oilers. So I'll say best of luck to you because obviously uh, new surroundings that uh, you guys laid out. So I hope it all goes smoothly. There's bound to be a few hiccups along the way. Make sure you've got uh, your masks and your hand sanitizer and uh, I'm sure it'll all uh, go smoothly. But uh, it's great to get you guys on here. We'd wanted to do this for a while and with hockey here now, uh, it was terrific uh, catching up with you. So uh Thanks for doing this, guys, and uh, we will see you, I guess, around the rink of the home games, but uh, we'll see you from a distance. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Well, that was terrific stuff, and we thank uh, the two Johns, and we're looking forward, Tom, I think, to uh, just hearing them. I mean, it, it, like, we've been around the rink, I know, yeah. but just hearing them together, uh, and they are so seamless. Even though It's crazy that they haven't worked since that Islanders game on March the 10th or whatever it was so way back when that fateful night I know it's wild the it is truly insane how long it's been since uh, you know I heard them together and uh, I mean I don't get to watch them that often right like at the rink it's not like I generally listen to the broadcast right Uh, I only probably watched two to five games a season last year um but even uh, even just hearing that right like that it triggers something there's something about them together whether they're talking hockey or talking restaurants or uh you know just talking food like talking bad food usually um that just sounds like canucks hockey it, it's i'm i'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be stoked to welcome the johns back into their living room when they welcome canucks hockey back uh you know wednesday without the johns but then thursday with shorty and cheech 
um, I think a lot of people will, you know, it, it'll feel uh, normal in, in a way that a lot of the last 12 months hasn't. Right. And if they didn't make it totally clear there, they do the regional games. The Wednesday night, the season kickoff is a national broadcast. It's a Wednesday, but it's sort of like uh, a Saturday where the, the Leafs and the Habs play the early game, the Canucks and the Oilers are the late game. Those are national broadcasts in the eyes of Sportsnet. So uh, there'll be mm-hmm. different broadcasters for that one, and then Shorty and Cheech get after it starting on Thursday, and they'll have the bulk of the games, uh, certainly weeknight games, uh, Saturday games or Hockey Night in Canada. So uh, you'll hear some different voices as the, the season rolls along. A uh, couple of things just before we wrap up and we inch closer to uh, the drop of the puck on opening night. and uh, We always talk about our VIPs. We got feedback at the Athletic app in the last pod that we did where you were trying so hard to convince me to call him Huglander, and I wasn't ready to go down that road with you. Uh, but Emma, <laughs> Emma on the Athletic app wrote, to confuse you even more on the Huglander pronunciation, the stress is actually on the second syllable, Huglander. Ah, Huglander. But then again, but then again, it's the same with Nylander, and we all know how that's been standardized. As for the O with the omelet, the two dots on the jersey, don't think the NHL allows that. Berge, Backstrom, Nasland, uh, us Swedes don't really expect English speakers to get it right. A degree of anglicization is always going to be necessary. So thanks to Emma for the point of clarity and for the feedback. Uh, appreciate the VIPs. And so there you go. You're going to have to go with Huglander uh, to get it uh, absolutely right. Uh, the other thing that I want to mention is uh, if people haven't seen it, run. Like, don't take your time. Run and check out Harm's piece on Nate Schmidt. Because... Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, the amount of work that goes in, but the amount of laughs that you get out of it. Uh, this guy's one of a kind, and it is probably, well, so is Harm, but uh, Nate Schmidt is one of a kind, and it's probably a good thing. Like, I don't know that we could deal with like a team full of Nate Schmidts. I, I can't imagine a coach could. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. He is off the wall, and Harm captures <laughs> it perfectly with college teammates, with coaches, with NHL teammates and other stops. They all have stories, as you can imagine. Uh, it's a really good read and sort of, uh, you know, just a, it was a, a good laugh to sort of put you in the right frame of mind for the season ahead here. So hats off to Harm, who we know does terrific work. And terrific I, work. I just, the, yeah. the amount of work that just when you read it and you think of all the people that he had to track down uh, to oh, get comments about Nate Schmidt. So the work went in and the work certainly was worth it. Yeah, he crushed it. And the, yeah, I mean, Harmon crushed it as he crushes everything. Uh, a bit of a like stretch project for him, right? Like this was uh, him taking himself outside his comfort zone, and he just absolutely nailed totally. it. Proud of him as I always am. Um, but also, you know, on the idea of a team full of Nate Schmitz and that being intolerable, uh, Canucks are kind of on their way, right? Like Schmidt, Roussel, Miller. Like there's a lot of guys who are, um, you know, a lot. <laughs> and I don't say that as a negative, like just a lot. And uh, on this team. Um, so, you know, the, I, I feel like the if, if one team has a chance of making a run, like the Canucks are getting there. You know, you throw in Holpe, a uh, bit of an individual. Thatcher Demko, who grew up in San Diego and somehow ends up a pro hockey player. Like you have to be a different cat to do that. Um, you know, I, I Canucks can get there. I probably need to make a couple more ads, but um, they're on their way. They, they've 
<laughs> let's go. Like 23 man roster, 23 guys who are a lot. This team can do it. I, I believe <laughs> in this management group to accomplish it. Well, you saw it all summer. You lived it. You documented uh, all of the chirps and the sounds of the game. Uh, I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to hearing what hockey sounds like. Uh, again, you know, Me we'll too. be watching the first four on the road, but to go to Rogers Arena for those home games, uh, just to get a sense of what you're able to pick up uh, when these guys are chirping at each other and, and just the sounds in and around the ring. So here it is. It's hockey season. That's a good thing. Nate Schmidt's a Minnesota guy. I should mention that former Wild head coach Bruce Boudreaux helped Mike Russo preview the Minnesota Wild season on this week straight from mm. the source at The Athletic. So if you want to check out the insights of a former NHL coach and a guy that uh, is probably looking to get back in, but uh, Bruce Boudreaux, one of the great quotes and the uh, you know, if he doesn't uh, find work in coaching, he probably will have a job in the media uh, as well. So you might want to check that one out. And like Emma, check out our comments section for each podcast episode mm-hmm. at the Athletic app. We appreciate all the feedback. Also, rate and subscribe to the VanCast on Apple. And if you're not already a subscriber, go to theathletic.com slash VanCast and receive a subscription for just three ninety nine. dollars per month. Grantzer, guess what? What? It's game day. Game day. Let's go. <laughs> Been far too long, man. Although I will say, a game being played at Rogers Place, an NHL game being played at Rogers Place that I'm not at, feels a little weird. Hits a little different. Not not sure I'm ready for this yet. Well, you better be. Uh, countdown is on. Drop of the puck. <laughs> New season. Away we go. Canucks and the Oilers. And uh, again, we'll be, we'll be all over it here. Uh, at the VanCast all season long. Looking forward to it. So uh, thanks so much for uh, stopping by this one. Hope you enjoyed uh, the visit with the two Johns. I know we certainly did for Grantford's J-Pat. As always, thanks so much for your support. The VanCast here at The Athletic and theathletic.com. Mm-hmm.